another This Week in Interview. It is October 9th, 2013. It's Wednesday, it's 8 p.m. And it's time for This Week in Interview. I'm your host, Anthony Drago, and I'm going to guide you through the next hour of stimulating conversation and thoughts on a topic that I know that's close to all of us, to the heart of everyone. Um, once again, we have an interesting guest, and I'm sure that at the end of the hour we'll be better for the discussion that we are about to have. So, once again, it's this week in interview. Please hang in there. We're going to have a quick musical break, and we will be right back. I have a very special guest standing by, and um, our topic for tonight is going to be parenting. And we have special guests. We have special discussion. We'll be inviting you to join in on the discussion. So please stay tuned, and we will be right back in a moment.
home is not easy. Out of touch and feeling lonely. Worrying about loved ones you've left behind. Chased away the loneliness. Home is just a phone call away. So welcome back, listeners. We have with us a very interesting and exciting um, guest. Uh, as I told you before, the, before we, the break, our topic tonight is going to be about parenting. And um, all of us have experience with parenting. We either have experience with our parents or we have experience as being parents. And um, if you... If you're old enough to understand or even to have kids of your own, you know the challenges that's involved in being a parent. Therefore, we, we're very excited to have with us Miss uh, Francine Charles of the program My Child and I. Miss um, Charles is the host of this television program uh, that airs in, um, I think, 11 countries. Um, indigenously, and it's rebroadcasting over 20 countries in the Caribbean. And I have seen a number of the shows. We've been very impressed with the with the show and the and the and the values that it promotes. We've been very impressed with the guests and and the level of discussion on the show. And therefore, we thought that we it would be a good idea to to bring Miss Charles on the show. So that she could share some of the insights with us, and then we could spend an hour and just talk about parenting in general. And she could also um, bring listeners, our listeners, bring you to audience, um, to be more familiar with the work that she does and her organization, um, to get you to really realize the gem that that show is and and the value that it brings to our community. So we're delighted. To have Miss um, Francine Charles with us from the show My Child and I, and she's going to spend the hour with us. Uh, Francine, welcome to TDN Radio, and we thank you so much for spending the time with us. Thank you so much, Tony. It's really nice to be here. Thank you so much. Right, and um, I, I'm a big fan of your show. I, I, I catch your show at every opportunity that I can get, and um, that is when we say. Um, this show is so exciting. We have to, we have to get Miss Charles on the show. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I would like you to just spend a little time and bring our, bring our listeners familiar with your show. Tell us, tell them about the show, um, what your motivation was, how long you've, you've started it. Um, just tell them about yourself as well. So welcome. But thank you so much, Tony. Um, thank you so much, first of all, to TVN for just a show of encouragement by helping to promote and to let um, the audience know even more about my child and I. I really appreciate that so much. Um, the Caribbean audience has been really, really encouraging um, since we started in 2012, and so it's great to be able to talk about the show outside of the actual, um, outside of the actual program. My child and I actually has been something that has been in embryonic stages for quite a while. Um, as early as 2002-2003, my husband and I felt really strongly, um, and we had a really strong sense that this was something that God had placed on our hearts. Um, the whole idea of parents needing help, we are parents ourselves. Initially, when I had my first child in 2000, I thought I would just hop back into work 
by the time I started having my other child, I really saw that there was a real parenting. Actually, is quite a, a quite a lot of work, and not a lot of work in the sense that it's it's you know tedious, but that there's so much value if you can really put a lot into into the, the whole area of parenting. And so as we did it, obviously, we were involved with schools, we were involved with other parents, and we realized that just like us, they needed support, they needed help. There were so many questions, and clearly in this new technological age, it's, it's, it's even more different than when we were growing up. So we really felt, you know, something, let's try to do what we can do. And my background is in media. Um, I've been in media since over 20-something years, started in Trinidad in print, studied at UV in, in Mona, Jamaica, studied mass communications and started off in print newspaper, print um, at the Express newspaper, and then moved on to the Caribbean Broadcasting Union in Barbados, where I've spent most of my life in television. And I actually came out of mainstream media because of my children, because I wanted to give them that time. And so we decided to start a program under our own company's banner, which had Narrowgate Incorporated. And so we started, my child and I, initially in 2004, we did the pilot. Um, it was well done, but never got off the ground. And um, after a while, by 2011, we said, you know something, this thing has not left us, and we're going to go for it. And by 2012, we were on the air, and we've had three seasons so far, which has been... Because it's not just another talk show. You you seem yeah. to seek out the expert opinion, and yeah. and I must say, uh, in terms of expert opinion, there's no more expert in parenting than parents themselves. And yes. I, I see that you do that as well. You bring the kids in and you bring the parents in. So you, you talk about that a little bit, so the audience can get a little feel for for how you go about choosing your guests and how you go about organizing the show. No problem. Um. The format of the show is obviously one hour. We felt that a program like um, My Child and I, which looks at parenting, could not be done um, or should not really be done if we could help it as a program that parents have no interaction with. So we decided that it would be an hour and we would allow for a studio, a studio audience live um, with us that can then ask questions on behalf of the other parents who are looking on, you know. Um, and people also have the opportunity to send us stuff online um, via our Facebook page, My Child and I, and um, via email. And so that allows that interaction. So we're actually touching the actual needs of parents. Then we said, you know, the show, our, our sense was that the show had to be, we wanted the show to be empathetic. In other words, we wanted parents to know that we, this was not a show about judging 
or even about um, talking top down. It was a show that sought to say we understand the issues and how can we best, you know, help each other. So it was a sense that we are helping each other. And because of that, we said, you know, the first thing, for the main um, people who either need help or who have help to give, are parents who have been there and done that, um, and parents who are actually facing challenges themselves. And so we, we knew the show was regional, so we obviously looked for people across the islands, um, across the, the, the Caribbean, and we said... Um, Let's find parents who either have written in or who we are aware of or who other people or other experts are already dealing with um, so that they can bring their stories according to the particular topic. And that has been, I think, very important because parents can then see themselves and they know, you know, something, somebody else is going through this. And, and it's not just any one class of people or any one color of people, um, but we are all experiencing stuff along the way. And then, obviously, we didn't want, at the same time, to have a, just a sense of, you know, many opinions and people just kind of, like you said, talking around the topic so that at the end when you're finished, you're kind of not really sure, um, you know, what really should I do? Right. And so we looked at the, the whole issue of, of experts. And so we started um, pretty much at the ground level, which is finding people who are actually involved in the field doing the work, as opposed to maybe somebody who is writing or a columnist or so forth. And that led us to some of the main organizations that deal with parenting in the Caribbean, um, which obviously would include educators, um, people working with the parenting organizations in their relevant countries, psychologists and and, um, mainly psychologists and social workers, and guidance counselors who are in the schools, and teachers, um, pastors, um, you know, people who are obviously working with people and counseling families on a, on a regular and daily basis. Um, in some cases, lawyers, because understanding the legal side of things um, is sometimes important. And then if we're talking about topics that um, are not children, child-related, but it's helping parents to understand, for example, the IT area, the whole idea of understanding the Internet, this new world that we're facing, right. um, we, we, we bring in IT experts, people who are already doing that work, but in most cases, they were parents, so they understand, yeah, they understood the issues in a very real way. And so, it, we obviously, we take time to find those experts. We don't just, um, they usually tried and true people and not people that we've just kind of met along the way um, and that we trust will bring valid information that people can, can actually use. Right, and, and, and that is what I saw. I, for example, I saw one of your shows, you had a school principal, you had yes. somebody from, um, I guess it's the Ministry of Health, mm-hmm. uh, Ministry of um, Social, I don't know what, what the name of the ministry is in Barbados, but it was some um, the child, the child care board, people who work with yes, board, right? yes. I, and you had a psychologist, you had a regular parents, you had kids in the audience. Yes, that 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 shows the level of thought that you put in your in your program, and and, and it's directly reflected in the quality of in the quality of shows that that sure. are put on. Also, I saw one of your episodes where you had. You had some young young children who who were themselves getting involved in programs to help their peers um, do more reading and get more academically involved. Yes. 
Yes. And so that aspect of it, you also handle. You not only handle it from a parenting point of view, but you you handle it from a from from a child's perspective. And um, you know what I'm wondering is until I until you get into it, uh, into organizing a show like that, or from my side when I look at it, you you figure okay, you're going to do a show on parenting. Maybe you do ten shows and then you run out of topics to <laughs> to discuss. Yes. But but you seem to be able to come up with ideas and topics that are innovative and creative and stimulating week after week after week. So so I don't know if you if you want to talk a little bit about where the show is heading, where your company narrow gets, your organization I should say narrow gets and what and what are your plans and how you going going forward. You're going okay. to keep and maintain that high standard that you set for yourself, you know, in terms of in terms of the topic that you choose and how and, and how you keep the parents and the community engaged. Well, Tony, we actually thought the same thing. People would say to us initially when we started, well, you have enough to do, you know, to do more than one season. And what we found is this is not something that we even have to work at. Finding topics have been so easy because a number of reasons. There are so many um, challenges and issues that a parent faces in raising a child. And so when you start dealing with people who are doing, who are involved in parenting education on the ground, they have a myriad of, of areas that they can share and they say, look, this is actually what's happening on the ground. And so it became easy um, that way. And then the next way is that parents will write us. Or we would meet people on the streets and they would say, look, you need to do a story on, you need to do a program on this, you need to do a program on this. And actually, as we finished season three, um, immediately parents were calling and saying, listen, you haven't done um, that, that attention deficit disorder and my child was dealing with that at school and you haven't done this area and you haven't done that area. So in terms of finding topics, there seems to be no end. Um, so we were actually, in, not not simply surprised that we were quite um, maybe overwhelmed by the fact that there was actually so much more. And then even when you touch a topic broadly, people want you to go um, closer to it. Right. And what we found was that um, our first season, we dealt very broadly with topics. So even we dealt with, you know, um, the whole issue of child abuse, etc. But as parents wrote us after we finished season one, they said, listen, we understand, but we, some of us, we just need to know how to do it. Not just what it is or what we should do, but tell us how to do it. And as a result of that, the, the season two became much more how-to, very hands-on, step-by-step on topics. So the issue is not just the topics, but the handling of the topics. You see what I mean? Yes, I certainly. So, so, so somebody, and that is that is an important point to make because your show is not just well, okay. So you give me the information and you tell me what books to go read or, or what I should do. You actually delve into the topic and say, okay, if this person has faced this situation and this is how it can be handled, and, can be handled, and you get the authority, the trained, the trained personnel mm-hmm. who may have experience and who knows the background to, to come in and, and to support the positions that... that, that exactly. And season two and season three um, also introduced something called workshops where we, instead, of my, instead of me asking people questions and having that kind of sit-down, we actually had three programs that were based on workshops where we would find it, at least one or two experts in a particular area and we would deal with, let's say, parenting... Um, 
creating a healthy environment in your home for children. We would do a program that was just dealing with zero to five years old, then one dealing with six to 11. So we really broke it down into age groups and found the appropriate experts, and they would actually do the entire show with the audience interacting, asking them questions. And, we, and that actually has been very popular because while parents may not have the time sometimes um, to do that research themselves or to go to a community center or, or some workshop that's being advertised, but they really want to go, but they just don't have the time, we were able to bring those workshops into their homes. And so based on the response to those particular workshops, we that's a part of what we wanted to definitely include in the program more regularly as we go into the as we head into the next season. And we're very we've come to a place now where we plan to move this the program to another level. Um so season four, you're going to see um a few more things. We're gonna start helping families a little bit more. We started a competition called Family Time. And we want to do some more of that work that encourage families to share. The family time competitions did simply this. Let allow parents, you remember it, allow parents to say how do they spend quality time together without spending a whole heap of money. Right. And so parents could learn from each other as to how do they do it. And we want to encourage more of that. Um, And then we're going to begin to drill down on Topics that in particular, the internet is a big area, even though we've done maybe about two or three shows, that's an area that parents really are trying to grapple with, and it's, a, it's one that has so many facets, so that's a part of, of the work that we plan to do as we go forward. Um, one of the big things for us, and what we're working on now, that's why the show pretty much has been, um, if we're planning to start the show next year as opposed to continuing this year is that we felt there was something critical that we wanted to do. We always knew that my child and I would be more than the TV show. The TV show would start with dialogue, which I think it has already done and begun to do, but we wanted to move to other levels where we could actually provide parents with even more support um, in raising their kids. And so the pro- we, my child and I is now not a part of Narrowgate, but it is a charity all on its own called My Child and I. Um, focused on the promotion of welfare families um, and finding different methods, methods that involve popular media or popular strategies for touching families directly and helping people, taking all the information that people have been working on for years and experts have been doing for years mm-hmm. and finding ways to say, to bring it effectively and, and in a way that's interesting and creative um, right to parents, right to their homes. And that's what we're working on we're working on now. So we've registered the charity. Right. And we're just putting putting the administrative um, flesh on the on, on it so that we can launch very soon. So there's a few things with that. Um, your show is recorded in Barbados. Yes. Um, how much interaction, how much feedback do you get from, from parents and from listeners who are located outside of Barbados? Well, well, in a number of ways. The studio audience, obviously, would be mainly the, mainly Barbadians. Mm-hmm. But via our Facebook and our email um, pages, we get quite a bit of, of um, discussion from people outside of, the, outside of um, Barbados. In fact, our first year, one of our partners who has really been very helpful, helpful to us has been LIAC because they have been helping us to bring experts in from the other islands, yeah? Okay. And if we need to go and do stories on families in other countries, um, the other islands, 
they allow us to go. So they work with us very well to make this happen. And um, what what has occurred as a result... Before, before you go on a little bit, <laughs> I want to just pause to recognize that because, I mean, Liette has been taking a beating in the media lately. Um, so it, it is actually very good to hear something positive yes um, about liat and the support and the contribution that they're making to to um to child to my child and i exactly so and I, I want to just pause and actually give you a chance to <laughs> emphasize that a little bit you know tony thank you very much because i know that with stage with radio stations i was just a little careful in terms of, of an ad but really and truly you're so right liat has bought into the importance of parenting in the region and, um, you know, looking, they are just were happy to help us to find a way to ensure that the program can be regional and that we could touch as many people as possible. And they actually provide us with the travel that we need um, either way. And actually, even now, as we, we're not uh, actually producing stuff, they're still giving us that ability to travel to other islands to do the business that we need to do to get ready for the next season. And they have committed again to being involved um, ongoing. So I think we can only applaud them. And, and their competition that they started with the Liat family time, I think you're going to see even more bigger and better things um, over, over the next year with them. So that's certainly positive. And I didn't, I didn't very, very positive. Your, your trend of thought. So you can continue um, talking oh. about the, um, the plans as you go forward in terms right. of... Um, in terms of so, so, so far, we've been able to tap in quite a bit because obviously we travel to, to other islands to do the shows. So while we're there, I mean, I was in Dominica in August, and I mean, Dominicans stopped me everywhere, you know, talking about the program, sitting down and discussing. And so we're able to get good feedback because we're also traveling as well. But then via our Facebook page, we get a lot of good response. And I was saying to you, what Liat did the very first season was allow us to give a prize to one of the parents who was showing greatest interaction on the, on Facebook. And it was actually a, a beautiful woman from Grenada. She and her son watched the show all the time. And actually, every night as we were finished, we would get something from her saying what her thoughts were. And she was pretty much our biggest fan. And she got a, um, a, tr a trip for her and her son. Um, I think they went to Trinidad, to whatever destination they wanted to go to. And I think they went to Trinidad. That's tremendous. Um, Wow. Yeah, so we do get great, we do get good response. The family, the Liat family time winner, the person who won for the best tips that they could give was actually a family in St. Lucia. So we have managed to keep the show quite regional. Um, our hope is one day to be able to lift up the program and carry it to other islands to at least do two episodes. Um, but obviously you could imagine the kind, some of the money that would be involved in making that happen. Exactly. Um, but you know, you can never tell what can happen one day. Certainly, and and it must be encouraging. And I admire the, the way that you able, even if you're located in Barbados, mm -hmm. unless somebody recognizes the accents of the people that that speaking, you it's not it's not Barbados centric at all. No, and, and it's because Caribbean. of my yeah, it's my it's because of my background. Um, I'm Trinidadian. My mother is Dominican. Um. So we grew up moving around the Caribbean. Her, her grand, her grand, her parents were from Antigua. Well, her father was from Antigua. Okay. Um, <laughs> and so you see, yeah. right. So as a result, we traveled around quite a bit. Um, and then my, I probably worked, I studied in Jamaica and then I worked 
maybe for a year or two in Trinidad when I came back from school, but the rest of my years were working, even though I was based in Barbados with the Caribbean Broadcasting Union and the Caribbean Media Corporation. So covering, you know, the summits. And so I've, my, my whole framework has been regional. And so even though I'm based in Barbados, it's very easy for me to embrace it. And, and that's my heart. My heart is that we are one people. I've seen that in practice, not just in, a theor- in theory. And as a result of that, I'm very, very... For me, I, I don't see myself doing any specific thing for just one country. It's always how can we embrace the region. And what's beautiful is that even though the programs are obviously based in Barbados, Caribbean people are responding so well. They're not worried. You know, they're not, the focus is not, well, you're only in Barbados. The focus has been, wow, this is good, and we're really appreciating it. Um, and here's an idea, and here's an idea, you know? Yeah, and certainly, certainly we have seen time and time again that the Caribbean people know how to work together. Um, oh, yeah. If the politicians would just get out of our way, we would, we would, we would probably be one country right now. <laughs> we, 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 we want them to do more than get out of the way. We want them to get on board fully right. <laughs> and allow their policies and plans to reflect what we already know, which is that we so want people. I mean, even though we may have different little cultures, it is just, it's, it's enhancing. It's not divisive in any way. Certainly. You certainly. know? And, and, and that's so, demonstrated very, very clearly. When you, uh, when you go to a university, for example, in the U.S. or, 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 or the U.K., you see mm-hmm. how the Caribbean students bond together. It's almost impossible to tell that they're not from the same That they're not from, from the same one, country. definitely. And um, whenever we've done stuff together, we've always been so successful. You know, the mm-hmm. West Indies Cricket Team, Eastern Caribbean Central Bank, Car- wow. CARICOM. You know, there's just, there's just so many examples of Caribbean people working together oh, yeah. and getting oh, tremendous yeah. results. And, um, yeah. and we, do it, we do it in spite of the politics. Um, yes, yes. Let me let me just take a, one moment to remind <laughs> our listeners that um, this is this week an interview for October 9th, two thousand and thirteen, and with us we have a very special guest, Miss Francine Charles of the show My Child and I. Um, it's a television show that is broadcast all over the Caribbean. It's carried um, on the local stations in um, ten or eleven, 11 of, of the islands. And it's rebroadcast in, I think, 22. Um, yes. It's rebroadcast in at least 22. Um, uh, so we invite our listeners to, um, to join in the discussion if you choose to. The, um, the calling number is um, 202-525-7231. 202-525-7231. If you want to contribute to the conversation, you may have a question or a comment, you, you're welcome to, um, to join in the discussion. Um, for instance, I, as we get back to the discussion, there's an area that is particularly close to me because I'm a parent myself, and specifically okay. I'm a father. Mm-hmm. And, um, one of the things that I enjoy about your show is that although there's a natural tendency for um, parenting and social activities to be centered around women. I still see enough of the masculine gender representation on your show in terms of fathers, in terms of in terms of the experts, in terms of uh, is that is that conscious or is that because you um, is is that part? I mean, did you deliberately set out to make sure that that men were 
and fathers are adequately represented. Um, it, it's um, deliberately done. It's deliberately done because um, we, my child and I, we are firmly, we are firm believers. Those who are close to the program as experts who are continuous, as well as my husband and I, um, are very aware of the important and critical role of fathers. Um, fathers are really leaders of their homes. They are so critical in a child's life. In a boy's life, they are the example of manhood. In a, in a girl's life, they are the example of, of the love and respect that you should be shown as a young woman. Um, and so for us, it was, it is vital to move away from, from kind of promoting any specific emphasis, um, on mothers alone. You may find that when you're dealing with single parents, that that has, to, you know, obviously it may come up because the majority of single parents are actually functioning daily single parents are women. Right. But the reality is we even, even in the single parent category, we are promoting men's involvement in their children's lives. Yeah. Um, and certainly I, I look, I have a quote from Sigmund Freud that said, he says, I cannot think of any need in childhood as strong as the need for a father's protection. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think um, as a father, many, many times you, you see the role of a father being diminished and, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of emphasis placed on, on negative aspects that comes out of, of probably negligent fathers or, or, or mm-hmm. uninformed, uneducated fathers. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I, I applaud my child and I for, for recognizing that and, and, and trying to, to provide the information out there that, that there are, I think, I think the majority of fathers are responsible fathers. And also to go out there and to try to encourage the fathers who can do better to actually do better. And, and similarly for the mothers who can do better. So I, I, I applaud your, your efforts in that regard. Thank you. Thank you. No, I am. Um, there, is there any other area that we haven't touched on in terms of in terms of your upcoming plans in terms of season four? Um, I know you spoke about um, more emphasis on workshops, um, and you spoke about more involvement, and um, you were going to do a little more, uh, even even more emph- um, emphasis around using the internet. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, you can spend a few minutes and talk further about season four, or uh, that in, if there are any areas that we haven't really touched on. Okay, what I would really like to maybe touch on is the whole idea of the charity, um, and to really encourage parents. We are not we are going to be launching um, early next year, but I would encourage anyone who's out there who may have a sense of of how they can help in any way. I mean, obviously, the financial area, but there's also the expert area. And what we are trying to move to is on, even in the diaspora um, and in any other island that we, and we may not have tapped into as well as yet experts or organizations or people who are willing to help and to come on as resources of any kind, um, the expert resources. We would like to, to move to being able, besides bringing experts in, to, to moving to Skype. Um, even more on the program so people can be in their countries, in their territories, you can be an expert working in this field in the U.S. and you can be a part of the show. So we're asking people if there's anyone who wants to help in any way from funding all the way to just being an expert 
um, a parent who has been there, done that, and said, listen, I want to share my stuff as well that I've, I've learned. Um, please, I would ask them to, to write us at info at mychild-andi.com. That's info at mychild-andi.com or Francine V, V as in victory or Van, Charles at hotmail.com. Certainly, and, and we will put that information up on TDN, on um, tdnradio.net as well. Um, Beautiful, and, I appreciate it. I can imagine is that in terms of um, the objective that you say that you have of of making or facilitating parents accessing resources mm -hmm. that helps them to become better parents, I can see you um, using technology. So, mm -hmm. so in the appeal for assistance, if you have persons who are programmers who kind of have ideas of how, how to assist you guys in developing the database and, and providing access to it and so on. I think that would be tremendous. That would be tremendous. That would be tremendous because we have a real beautiful idea. I don't want to share it too much yet, but it really includes, it really includes the whole understanding of how can we really use the internet almost as a, as a real special resource center. So if there's anyone um, who's able to help us with that, because obviously if you're living abroad, you're probably even having... Um, even more advances, experiencing even more advances in the technologies, please um, write us at Francine V. Charles at hotmail.com. Excellent, excellent. And, um, Francine, because you've done this for, for three seasons now, mm -hmm. I am. Um, I wanted to, to, to just pick your brain a little bit. Because mm -hmm. you may have come across some gems, <laughs> that mm -hmm. some tidbits that you, you know, or some experiences mm -hmm. that you could share mm -hmm. for our listeners, that yes. um, you know that 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 some experiences that you could share with listeners that could probably help them. And um, if you want, if you could spend a little bit of time, I'm thinking maybe in the area of discipline, for example. I when we were growing up, it was okay. Corporal punishment was, was more accepted. Now it's not. Um, mm -hmm. Caribbean people make fun of the idea of time out. You know? <laughs> but, but I don't know if, you, if there's anything that you want to share in terms of, of what you've seen, what you've learned mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. in terms of how parents who may have an you know, energetic child, yes. you know, a strong-willed child, and, and how they would go about um, uh, yeah. disciplining. Yeah, definitely. I think probably t I would start by tackling um, um, pretty much the issue of corporal punishment. I think there has been, obviously, my child and I has, has been involved in the ongoing debate because we've brought many different sides of that coin to the table and have obviously been exposed to quite a bit of different experts. I mean, you have the UN on one side. You have... Um, some of the organizations that are completely against corporal punishment, and you have others that are saying, well, no, it can't be thrown out just like that. And then, of course, I meet parents. I mean, I meet people who say it's the only way they, they know, it's the only thing that they, that they feel really works. Um, so so our, our view on it, really, our understanding of pulling all of those things together, um, this is pretty much what we've learned. Corporal punishment really has to be done in a particular way to be effective. 
corporal punishment is not the use of force when you are angry, when you are upset, when you are frustrated to try to simply get the child to do what you want. The corporal punishment really is a part of a disciplinary approach. Um, and discipline is really training. And that's what came out from a number of the experts that I really, really, I mean, we live it, but, but when you hear it, it's, it's just awesome. Training is simply this. You have a goal for your child. And I don't mean that you're choosing your child's career and stuff. But we all want our children to be healthy and positive, um, to experience positive things in life and to be a contributor to positive things in life and to be healthy and to enjoy themselves um, and to be successful in the career that they choose. So how does that, how do you move from A when that child comes into your world to the point where they're ready to leave home at 18? And like any other um, activity in a person's life, you have to plan, you have to have a vision, and then you have to be moving forward in right action towards that. And so corporal punishment fits in, or the whole issue of, of, of giving a child a slap or whatever, fits into that mode. It only fits into that mode in, in a number, in a few ways. It has to be something that you pretty much probably do when a child is very young so that it is not hitting and beating the child right. to a, a place where it just comes into complete submission and all of that. It, it actually has to be applied specific places in the body. It has to come with telling them what it is that you expect of them, um, why you're doing this. You have to talk to them about it, about what you're doing so that they understand. Because, I mean, they're human beings. If anybody just walks up to you and hits you, Anthony, how would you feel? And so I think the, the issue, and I, in my mind, I feel has gone too far, which is the, the whole idea of, well, don't touch a child at all. Um, because there are some strong-willed children that need, dif need specific types of discipline at particular points in time. Um, to help them to really understand that what I'm doing is not right. Um, what you have is that it has to be done at a certain age. One of the one of the experts made a really important point that if your child reaches teenager and you are still having to beat that child to get anything done, then you have you are totally in the yeah. You, 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 you've not. You can pretty much say, I've not done this right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Up to right. this point. Um, in fact, they really suggested for very young, when I say young children, not, not one or two, but when they get to a particular age where they can understand what you're doing, but they're young enough and you're not brutalizing them. I think that's what has scared the UN about the issue of, of, um, of children being hit. It's almost like you hit them when you're angry, you hit them anywhere, you hit them in their heads. I mean, we've had some, the research that I've done, Anthony, shows that in the Caribbean, I mean, in some hospitals, children are coming in, you know, during a, a month, many kids with beatings to their, to their head when they, their head has been taken and hit upon a wall by a parent just in, in the name of what is called discipline, broken hands. Parents in the Caribbean are still taking children's hands and placing it into boiling water to stop them from stealing 
all of these things and then they do it again and again because the child continues to steal. I don't know if that says something to them about what about the method they are using. And so it's that kind of brutality. You know, you're walking down the street and a child does something and the person just a little and they just whack that child. And, you, you know, nothing has been, the child probably doesn't even know what has happened. Right. Um, and we're sometimes just very happy that the child is so afraid of us after a while that when we look at them, they get stone cold and, they, you know, they just behave what we call good because they're, they're afraid. Who wants to be hit? Right, so um, it's parenting by fear and intimidation exactly. rather than rather than like teaching. But, so but this is curious because um, this is curious because the it's a different view from what's normally expressed, where most people just say you you're not supposed to to hit a child at all. Any type of hitting is 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 violence and abuse, mm -hmm. and um, and I think it's probably because. Um, it's probably easier for the authorities to say, don't touch a child at all, than to try exactly. to educate parents exactly how it should be done. That, that, that's my feeling, that it's, it's gone to that, ex to that, what I call an extreme, because of what people have seen in every... I mean, statistics can be quite scary and startling, you know? Right. Um, but, but on the other end, I think listening to experts in the Caribbean who are dealing with a Caribbean reality, I mean, we're predominantly a Christian community, um, we obviously have certain views and we've also come from a certain, our history has been a certain journey. Um, I have heard a number of them explain to parents how it should be done and why it should be done. Um, and really and truly, if you're beating a child for, you know, just not listening to you or not doing their homework, these things really, you are really not doing anything. If it is that for a child, the whole issue of you giving them a slap um, in a specific area, in a specific way, because of what we call rudeness. In other words, in, in the stage of your life, between the little things that you do and the big things that you do, for big things, so that big things, the things that may put you in prison, you may get the equation as a child, you may get a slap. I think um, you will hear the experts suggest that that is the only environment in which is the, the only environment in which um, the issue of corporal punishment is truly effective. Right. You see right. what I mean? Certainly. So you say a, a slap is a lot more benign than allowing a behavior or, or, or something to grow into a behavior where it may result in a more serious uh, and threatening situation. Exactly. And along that way, you have your timeouts, you have your um, punishment. Um, Actions, consequences for actions, you know, where you take away privileges, those things, um, which we in the Caribbean, a lot of our parents, especially in the past, have never, did not try, did not really entertain because it was so much easier to kind of create a fear and intimidation approach. Um, these things actually work and they work quite well because children don't like to lose their privileges. Um, a child really is very, you know, bent on the things that they like at a particular in that particular age group. And so there are those other methods that you do you use for for, you know, probably some of the normal behavioral problems you will find. You may uh, to me, from what I've understood from all the different debates, corporal punishment implemented in the right way, um, at a right in the right places for for what are the big things, the things that are equated with the crimes that 
that kind of thing, stealing, or you know, that right. level. Or some kind of drug uh, use, or, or right. other kind of this. Okay. No, and, I, and, I, I don't know if we can, well, go ahead, if there's anything else on discipline. No, I think, I think those are the critical things, but I, I love the idea, um, because a lot of parents, when we did the programs that said, um, um, discipline is not punishment, that really touched a lot of parents. A lot of parents are, are grappling with the issue of basic discipline because children are very different. Um, children are, are more aware of their rights now. They're more um, savvy. They talk back a lot more um, and those kinds of things. And parents can get very frustrated. Parents are more stressed now. Um, but they are aware that there's a better way than just really kind of beating a child into, yeah. sub, into submission. Right. So when, when they explain to, to us that tr discipline should be seen as training, have a vision for your child. Have a plan to help your child move from A to B. Um, have a, a sense of, you know, they, they should be productive, they should be healthy, and therefore when you plan along the healthy stream, how do they eat and how do they exercise? Um, you plan along the stream of, um, obviously, if you're going to do well in school, from very early, things like determination, Things like um, being focused, right. all of those things have to be in place for you to be at that place. Um, in the product, if you're going to be a productive member of society that cares about people, you have to learn empathy. So you have to learn obedience. You have to learn sharing um, with others. You see what I mean? And if you start moving along that those lines from the big, from the little to the big as they get older, you're going to see some really really great effects. And it means taking more time than just lashing out because you're, because you're reacting. So you let the child do whatever they're doing once they're not bothering you. But the moment that that behavior bothers your space, you then lash out. Right. And all, you know, the child has learned nothing and it was not aimed at achieving any particular purpose. Then we're not doing it. We're not doing it as well as we could. Another area I wanted, and we have about five minutes. Um, oh. Although, although I can beg the producers for <laughs> five ten minutes, mm -hmm. um, the area of dress and and mm -hmm. language. Yes. Um, I know parents have a balancing act where you know your child wants to fit in, so mm -hmm. he has to dress a certain way, otherwise he's going to get ridiculed by his kids as being maybe old fashioned or, or, or whatever. Yes. yes. But at the same time, you. You want to also be able to teach your child the appropriateness of dress, and like, mm -hmm. and the same thing applies to speech as well. Um, mm -hmm. How share with us any any thoughts that you uh, insights that you've gained from interacting with parents and experts on parenting um, mm -hmm. over the years in those two regards, dress um, and, and speech language as well. I think, in, but in season four, that's actually one of the topics because it came up when we were doing season three. Um, how do we touch on the issues of dress and, you know, your speech and the tattoos and all of these things um, in a way that would be meaningful for, for parents and for children? Um, in our discussions, as I've listened to the various experts and even the parents talk, I think one of the things that we have to um, lay hold of as a parent and begin to ask ourselves this question, are we afraid of our children? For some reason, there is a syndrome that has come up more and more where parents seem to be afraid um, to truly discipline. And when I say discipline, the training, put that, enforce that training. Um, but I believe that if you help parents, and a principal showed us this on one of the programs, 
if you help a child to understand from now, because usually this would come up around when a child is about 11, 12, that whole idea of the language and the dress. Right. You begin to show them, listen, at the end of the day, your character, who you are, is going to be very important. No matter how crazy life gets on the streets or in magazines, when you step into an office when you are 23, 24, how you dress, how you speak is going to be very important to how people see you. Yeah? Right. When you meet, when you meet, finally meet that nice guy or girl that you hope to be your husband or wife, how you behave, how you look is going to be very important to the choice of that, whether that person looks at you or not. And so if you call that all the way back to now that you're 12, between, between having your pictures posted on Facebook and also the kind of way you begin your start, your start can determine your end. Um, if you start from now to think, how am I dressed? Am I dressed in a way that is speaking, is, is giving a message of what I want to give? You see what I mean? Right. Because marketing tells you, okay, the style now is to have the little boobs showing, you know, because that's what you do. Right, and to have the tattoo in weird places and find exactly. <laughs> find something that can show the tattoo. Yeah, yeah, but you have to think, at the end of the day, am I looking... When I have those, what are people seeing? And you could ask your father, you could ask your friends, what do you see? Do you see me or do you see boobs? And is that what you want? Um, and, and then that helps the child to be a part of seeing the process rather than you just saying don't and, you know, I don't want you to wear that. And because all that does is create, at that age group, it begins to create rebellion because they are beginning to think for themselves. They're beginning to want their independence. And so it is more wise for you to engage them in a thought process so that they can see, well, this is probably why I shouldn't be doing this. For example, if you're walking with your pants drooping down and so forth and there's any kind of confusion around, when police look for who they think is, is involved or who is in the problem, how you dress is going to matter. Certainly. And so you need to think about those things before you step out. But the reality is with that age group, it is probably... Because it's probably better to walk them through some kind of vision for themselves. So yes, you've been having a vision for them from this time they were zero. But at some point, they're going to have to become part of that vision. You see what I mean? They're going to have to become shareholders in that vision. Exactly. And if you've done it pretty decently all the way up to about 11, 12, they probably buy into some of what you're saying anyway. And then you take them the rest of the way. And you've got to show them the end results. I mean, even now with Facebook... And um, putting their pictures and so forth on the internet, you have to realize that companies are watching. They, they, they Google your names, and if they're seeing you being inappropriate, what you thought was when I was fifteen or sixteen, I was doing what I wanted. I turned my behind to the to the picture and took a picture. They don't want that. They, that 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 world doesn't. They don't want that. They don't want to know that that's what you are in their company. And so, if you help them to start thinking about those things from now then it will probably have, help them to have some personal restraint. So uh, I think this, this, is, this is tremendous. There's one area I'm going to indulge and say mm -hmm. we take a few more minutes. There's, there's, mm -hmm. there's one more area I wanted to um, pick your brain on, so to speak, okay. and it's the area of dating. At what, at what stage did you find out that, that parents should probably start loosening up a little bit and allowing their 
I don't want the, a teenager or, the, or a boy or girl to to say, "Mom, I'm going out with John," or I have, "I'm going with Sarah." What what age do you? You're, yeah, you're putting me in a tight spot. <laughs> <laughs> you're putting me in a tight spot because um, clearly I have um, particular views, personal views on this coming out of my own um, spiritual background, my Christian right. background. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the whole issue of the promoting of dating, um, our family has a personal take on that in that really and truly it's, as a child gets much, when I say older, anywhere after they're 18, okay. and, they, and they feel that there is somebody they have met that is truly and genuinely serious, yeah? Right. They, they may be wrong, but that's the, they, they, they take it that seriously, then we would encourage that kind of, we would encourage dating. Um, but, I mean, if you're looking at it very generally, um, it's not a topic that we've touched on as much as yet, but my understanding is from some of the experts is that as a child is getting to that place where they've crossed over into 17, even before they, you know, they become what you call a legal adult in the Caribbean, which is usually 18, anywhere around 17, and, and for one or two reasons, what we have discussed. Mainly because if you're encouraging your child to look firstly and foremost at developing themselves academically and keeping the focus they need, whether it's on sports or the areas that they need, to get them to the next level of life, dating can be a huge distraction. Um, because you're now dealing with hormones and you're now dealing with a lot of other things going on. And even if you're not involved physically, um, emotionally and mentally. And if that if if today, you know, John like likes you mm -hmm. and tomorrow John doesn't like you, that's a real up and down time for you. So it's not the best time, 15, 16, when you're trying to pass your exams or you're trying to really get a handle on how do I, you know, make sure I do well academically or sports-wise or whatever is the area that I'm seeing myself developing in, um, when you cross over to 17, 18, you, you probably, you have a better um, focus, a better tendency to be able to manage yourself well. Also, um, the young dating, that 12, 13, 14, which you kind of see a lot more of now, is a very fickle time for a child. You know, they like, oh, yes. <laughs> Kids want to date from 12, 13. And so you see somebody and he's, he's nice, he's cute. I wasn't even asking <laughs> about 12 and 13. <laughs> you know, he's, the person is cute, you know, mm. because remember 12, you're already in secondary school. And so you want to go to the movies and you want to do this. But so there's a lot of, so, so it's a more fickle time but for a child. Seriously, how does a parent handle that though? If a child is 12 or 13 and a child says, you know, um, John is in my class, and we study together, and he wants to go to the movies. He asked me to go to the movies. How does yes. a parent handle that? I think, I think I think a parent, and, and this is something we keep coming back to, and there's a group that I meet with, and we, and, and, and we keep coming back to this. We, we have to remember that our children, even though they sound very wise, they begin to sound very independent. Because of the technologies, they know a lot more we still have to remember that they're depending on us to parent them. And we, are, we have been there, done that. We know how life goes. We know that at 12, 13, darkness in a cinema, plus your hormones, all of that, you know, the closeness of the, the hands and the arms is, an, is a recipe for trouble. You know, 
And so we have to make sure that we can be sit, sit them down and be very honest with, with our children about what this period of their life is like. And I actually had a friend of ours tell a, a group of young people, he, he is about 21, he was saying to them, um, just remember when that boy or that girl say that they love you with undying love and they're going to marry you at the age of 13 and 14, they have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> um, he was saying that from his heart, you know, because he obviously um, gone through that time. And we have to be able, these are different times. Kids know much more. And we have to be really, really honest with them sit them down and talk very straight about what it is you're doing when you're 13 and 14. It's all nice. We love you. We really want you to be happy. We would love to send you out um, to the movies alone with John, but we understand something that you don't understand as yet. Right. And, and, and I guess it, it, it comes back to the point that you mentioned earlier, where parents seem to be afraid yes. of losing their friendship with their child. So, Very much. So it's a, it's want, a big one. They don't want the child to be vexed with them, so to speak. Yes, but the children, are, at the end of the day, how many of us um, as adults have said in some forum in an anniversary event for our parents, you know, you were hard on us, or you were tough on us, or you were strict with us, and now we're really glad you did it. Right. You know, it, that happens, and you have to be able to hold out because you know but they're going to say that someday. They're going to thank you someday for not allowing them to kind of run off in their own understandings because really and truly, you can't expect them to understand more than their, than their age, really and truly, not in, not in real terms. Exactly. You know, and, so, and, and, yeah. and, and what I would say is that it's a relationship between you and a child and somebody has to be the adult. Somebody has to be the adult. And unless it's a very special circumstance, a child at 13, or if you start off your kid dan um, dating at the age of 13, 14, they're going to be dating quite a long time. And therefore, you're opening them up to even more risk right. of getting to, to a stage where it goes beyond, um, I like you, you like me, holding hands, reading books together. It's going to go beyond that. And unless you're prepared for the possible consequences, you need to make a parent parental decision. And, but, but don't take a high hand. Talk your child through it. Trust them enough to talk them through it. Certainly. And um, it, the hour has flown by. Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> we, 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 we've indulged in the kindness of the producers for, for eight very minutes. Good. Thank so, you very much. <laughs> but, but friends, I, uh, this, this is a discussion that will go on forever. So, so yes. certainly um, mm -hmm. you have an invitation to come back. Especially well, when, when season four begins. Um, Beautiful. We would love to, um, to, to keep our listeners informed of your programs. Yeah. Um, and uh, before you go, just tell, tell listeners about your website and your Facebook page and, and how they can contact you again. Beautiful. Our website is My Child, it's all lowercase, mychild and I. Dot com and that dash is not an underscore it's like a hyphen so it's my child hyphen and I dot com our Facebook page is my child and I and then if you want to contact me um you can probably contact me coming off of the home page of the website but I'm also at info at my child dash and I dot com 
And I'd really love to hear from, from people, both ideas, resources, you know, leads, tips, anything that they want to share. Um, we're really, really open to the interaction with our Caribbean community, wherever you are in the world. Certainly. And um, we appreciate your time. I, I know you're very busy um, yes. and you travel a lot. And we want to say we appreciate you and um, you say the idea was, was from your family, you and your husband. So, yeah. And I'm sure all the other persons who were involved in helping you put it together. And um, we really appreciate your time and, and we thank you for being with us. And all the best for season four of My Child and I. Thank you so much, Francine. Tony, thank you very much, and you have good timing. My husband has just come in, so you have great timing, and thank you so much to TDN for just the wonderful support. I really appreciate it. We really appreciate it at My Child and I. Thank you so much. Okay. Okay, listeners, there you've had it. We've, we've run through another hour of My Child and I, now, of this week in interview. This week we had um, on interview... A special guest, Miss Francine um, Charles from the TV program My Child and I, and um, she shared with us the insights of her program. Um, there's a little quote that I, I, I wanted to leave the show with, and it says, Each day of our lives, we make deposits in the memory banks of our children. It says, Each day of our lives, we make deposits in the memory banks of our children. And this has no explanation, needs no explanation, because we all have memories of our childhoods and our interaction with our parents. And um, this has been this another episode of This Week in the Interview. We thank you so much for joining us, and um, we wish you a wonderful week, and we look forward to being with you next week on This Week in the Interview. I'm your host. Anthony Drago, I'd like to say thank you to our engineer and producer, Sam. And thank you, CDN Radio, for listeners for being with us. Good night. Wonderful night.